fans welcome to the big blue box podcast my name's gary my name's adam and crikey o'reilly it's 179 yes have you ever thought what it's like to be wanderers in the fourth dimension nobody in the universe can do what we're doing i've reversed the polarity of the neutron flow so the tardis should be free of the force field now there's no point in being grown up if you can't be childish sometimes the trouble with time travel is one never seems to find the time change my dear and it seems on a moment too soon. Unlimited rice pudding, etc., etc. I am the doctor. Great men are forged in fire. It is the privilege of lesser men to light the flame. I'm the doctor. This is Rose Tyler. She's my plus one. Is that all right? That would be me. Hello. Surprise. Boom. Etc. I'm the doctor. Do everything I tell you. Don't ask stupid questions. And don't wander off. How can you kid this? I don't like the colour. Howdy, howdy, do you, who fans? Welcome back to the Big Blue Box Podcast, episode 179. Hope you've all had a cracking week and that you've managed to do something. Something. Doctor, Doctor who? who? Related. Related. Yay. Oh, yeah. <laughs> 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 uh, welcome back, Clue fans. Glad that you're joining us aboard the TARDIS. For one TARDIS. The TARDIS. <laughs> Got some very cool merch coming up following the news. Something that we've mentioned briefly over the last month or two. Got us excited. It did. Yeah. Mm. Yes. And then on to our review. Our review of uh, the old Happiness Patrol. Yeah, which we'll be recording in the candy kitchen. In the candy kitchen, <laughs> overseen by the candy man. <laughs> He's a grumpy chap, isn't he? He Very doesn't throw a strop. Crikey, <laughs> doesn't he? Ah, power. <laughs> yes. The old candy man. Makes me hungry just looking at him. Yeah. Well, he's made <laughs> up of, uh, yeah, I think it's like licorice all sorts and some other things thrown in there by the look of it. Sort of the sort of like the the Poundland version of licorice all sorts, yes, isn't it? Yes. <laughs> yeah, like the budget version of whoever the company that makes the actual licorice all sorts. I'm looking at a picture of him now. Actually, it's in, <laughs> it just happens to be in front of me because I've got Wikipedia, and I've just realised he's got all this gunk all over his top. He's obviously a really messy eater. I don't know if you can see it. If you're looking I can at see it. Yeah. All this stuff all over him. He needs a bib. <laughs> Bless him. He does, doesn't he? Yeah. He's like a he's like a little child that's just miserable and grumpy and cranky. Yeah, Constant, he's like he's yeah. stroppy teenager. He's like Kevin the teenager in that's Bassett it. form. Yeah, oh yeah. Bassett's that's the company. Yeah, Bassett's. Yeah, yeah, that's it. I'm pretty sure they did their own version of a little sweetie man. Well, they did. Yeah, who looked very similar to this. I think they did it first. I um, think so. so yeah. yeah, I'm very surprised they got away with getting so close to that design. But anyway, yes. yeah. Anyways. Yeah, we'll come on to that in a bit, but how have you been, mate? Mm. I've been good. I've been good. I've been jetting around the country again. Again. <laughs> again. Well, we were snowed in, weren't we, the last time we recorded? That's right. Yep. Here in the UK, we got that some white stuff, which we don't see that much of. Um, 
and then I, yeah, it cleared and I flew off to Rome for a couple of days, just a couple of days. It absolutely poured down the entire time I was there. Oh, no. I kept thinking, you know, when you're on holiday and you're sort of thinking, I wonder what the weather is back in the UK. <laughs> That's all I kept thinking the whole time. I was thinking, I wonder if they've got rain in the UK. But yeah, so yeah, I've just got back from, from Rome. Um, my partner's absolutely delighted that they didn't film Doctor Who there at any point. Uh, so wasn't being dragged around any locations or, right, or any videos right. being made. So we actually went on a holiday for a change. Nice. Um, and it was good. Yeah, I didn't really do anything Doctor Who related. I did I did find a DVD in the sh- in in one of the music shops out there, which I'd never seen before, which was like a collection of um, really obscure episodes, actually. So it had a really cool cover on it. It had like all the Doctors um, on the cover from the new series, you know, since it came back. Um, so Eccleston to Capaldi with like a white background. It's a really nice cover. Um, but I don't know the, the episode selection on it was bizarre. It had things like, um, I think it had Rose and Blink. You think, okay, fair enough. And then it had like the vampires of Venice. Right. I was thinking, Mm. I I don't know if it was like an introduction DVD, um, or what, I'm just trying to find the list of episodes because somebody translated them for me on Twitter and worked it out. Um, but yeah, so I, I didn't buy it. I was dragged out of the shop um, as soon as I picked it up uh, because um, obviously I'm trying to be good with the spending. But I, I kind of wish I had. It was quite an interesting looking little release. But um, where's the list of episodes? Here we go. So yeah, it sort of had things like The Empty Child, Doctor Dances, great episodes. Um, then it had The End of Time, Parts 1 and 2, Vam- Vampires of Venice, The Doctor's Wife, The Rings of Akaten, Day of the oh. Doctor, and Listen uh, amongst... Okay other things so yeah it's a bit of a strange release i've never seen that particular compilation or that cover anywhere else so i don't don't know if it's exclusive to sort of italy or or whatever but yeah it's quite interesting i kind of wish i'd bought it as i said but uh yes i was rushed out of the shop as soon as i said oh there's a dot two dvd right come on we're off we've got the coliseum to see i was like all oh, right so i didn't didn't get out if i'd have had chance i would have definitely sneaked back and got it but unfortunately uh, i didn't get time but i got a photo of it, mm, uh, it does. <laughs> so that's yeah when sorry. you put a picture of it on there I, my initial first thought was well that's not an official bbc thing but it looks like it is no it, it, it was is, yeah, yeah they had yeah they had like all the others that we've got with slightly different covers said all the all the series um from the new series complete sets and stuff yeah no it's a proper bbc release yeah hmm. yeah it's pretty cool so i haven't managed to do anything really doctor who related um now i don't know if you've got the rant button to hand have you i always have that to hand mate yep because i think i think it's justified because listeners regular listeners to the podcast will know that i've been waiting for forbidden planet to dispatch my uh doctor who t-shirt the new logo mm. one which was released what two three weeks ago two now weeks ago. yep and it's showing us in stock on their website. I keep checking it, thinking any minute now, I'm going to get a dispatch email. Um, so I was rather hoping I'd get back and find a parcel waiting for me and say, ah, good old FP. But no, it's still sitting in my blimmin' account waiting to be dispatched. And I just don't know what's going on because it's showing us in stock on the website, but yeah, I've ordered it and it's just sat there doing absolutely nothing. <laughs> so I wasn't very happy about that. Oh, Limit no. FP. Here we go. Here go we on, go. play it. I haven't heard it for a while. Play the round two.
Oh, I've missed that. Is that what you feel like doing, mate? That, Just, that was yeah. how I felt when I got, and I was like, I was like, no parcels. What is going? Well, there must be, yeah, must be a problem with the thing. I, you know, I can put it down to the snow, but uh, you know that's cleared now, so they've got no excuse. Um, anyway, so uh, that hadn't arrived, but there was one package waiting for me, which I was very pleased about, um, which was the Eagle Moss. I always say it's wrong. Is it Wern? Wern from the Ark in Space, the figure oh, yeah. of John. How do you say it? Is Wern, isn't it? Or Wern? The Wern, I think. Oh, yeah. Wern, yeah. I was going to say fans will be screaming at me for not knowing that, but I've, I haven't watched it for so long. Um, I was very pleased to come home to find him waiting for me, though. Um, it is a, a fantastic figure. I don't know if you've actually seen it. It's like one of their specials where they make them slightly uh-huh. bigger than the normal range. Yep. Um, I had to get it off eBay because all, all the shops, none of the shops have got it in. Um, and I won't order from Eagle Moss because I've had terrible experiences from, from ordering direct from them. Uh, so that's cool. There was at least one thing waiting for me. My, my partner was horrified when I opened the box because it looks <laughs> like a giant. How would you describe it? Um, it's like a giant uh, beetle ant. Yeah, like a yeah, an insecty kind of. It's very insecty, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. And the the reaction was, "What the blimmin' heck is that?" <laughs> <laughs> I was like, well, "It's Doctor Who. It's it's going on the shelf." No, it isn't. I said, yeah, it is. It's a great yeah. story. It's got to go on the shelf. <laughs> so um, he hasn't gone on the shelf yet, but he will be going on the cluttered old shelf. So that's that's at least one good thing. I always, you know, I can't bear it when I come back from holiday. There's not <laughs> something waiting for me, some little treat to yeah. welcome me home. Yeah, yeah. No, absolutely, mate. So yeah, so I'll let you know when I get the t-shirt. I'll be what I'll do is I'll actually wear it mm-hmm. the day you know when it arrives and the next podcast when we record, I'll wear it so you know it's arrived. Cool, cool. So if I'm not wearing it, you'll know I'm still waiting for it. Oh dear. <laughs> yeah, mm-hmm. it's difficult, isn't it? So that's me, mate. That's what I've been up to. Well, what have you been doing? Yeah, I've had a quiet week, mate. Not much uh, going on for me. Who wise? No? no, I haven't really watched much here either. No, other than the Happiness Patrol, I've been very quiet on that. I've just had other stuff going on, but. Yeah, so quite. I have been talking to a lot of fans on Twitter about um, uh, the next issue of the Doctor Who magazine using the new logo. Oh, yes, yes. yes. I, saw the, I saw the picture. Mm. Yeah. And uh, seeing it on the magazine just reinforces my dislike. Oh, I thought you were going to say it's changed the mind. No, 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 oh. no, no. So, yeah, oh. was, uh, a few fans jumped on my back on that one. But uh, as to be expected, I knew it would. I knew that if I put that out there and said... Um, you know, I'm not a fan of it. Now I've seen it out in the wild on something, not just the T-shirt, but, you know, on the magazine. I, yeah. knew, that, I knew that I'd have people jump on and say, what's wrong with you? It's it's beautiful. But, um, yeah, so um, some bants with some of the fans on Twitter and so on, which is good. Um, but, yeah, I just don't – I just it just doesn't stand out enough for me. It gets lost in the magazine. The, mm. You know, the prominent bit is the TARDIS, as it should be, and it looks gorgeous. Yeah. But the, uh, the, the logo and stuff, I don't know, it just – it just Not loses its, its impact for, for me, mate. No, it doesn't do it. I must admit the TARDIS has really grown on me, actually. It's mm-hmm. taken a while. I, have, I didn't love it. In fact, I was very unsure about it when we got that first promo pic. But having seen more pictures of it and the actual prop itself, the TARDIS has really grown on me. I, I think it looks lovely, actually. Mm-hmm. I still think it's one shade too dark because it reminds me of the horrible Colin Baker box um, where it got really dirty and it was like a very, almost oh. like gray, mm-hmm. dark gray blue. I hated that color TARDIS. Um, it is still a little bit dark for my liking, but it does look gorgeous. I, the cover of the new Doctor Who magazine um, 
which is out, well, it will be yesterday, if you listen to this on the podcast on the day of uh, release. It does look really nice, actually. I'm looking forward to seeing the real thing. I, I quite like the, the logo, mate. I, I really you. do. But yeah. I can see what you see what you think. I still can't get over the W thing, though, since you pointed out. Yeah. And a few people have come up to me and said the same thing. Uh, I don't know if you saw on Twitter, I can't remember it was now, was like, oh, no. Oh, it was our friend um, Neil from uh, from America, I right think. Was like, yeah. Yeah, Bryce Moon said, oh, no, I really liked the logo until Gary pointed out the W, and now it's, <laughs> now I can't stop looking at it. I was like, I know, once seen, That's cannot it. be unseen. It's yeah. not a capital W. Yeah, it does bug me, that, actually. Yeah. So, listeners who missed last week's show, we were discussing, was it last week or the week before, we were discussing mm-hmm. the new logo and so on. And I said, you know, I had, I had my complaints with it, but the biggest thing for me is that the, the, the W in, in the word who is not, enlarged or capitalized yeah and and that for me is a i don't know it's not a big deal you know no i'm not going to lose sleep over it but i don't know that should be a capital w or, or a larger it, w for sure it should because it's all one word isn't it without without a capital so it's just doctor who instead of doctor who <laughs> doctor who it's just not yeah i yes. i must admit i do have to agree with you on that i mean i i like the new logo but yeah that w should be um should be a capital it's uh seems like a sort of little error that i don't know yeah oh well so i will agree with you on that oh, um well. i was going to mention something else but to do with the logo but actually i'll talk about it when we get to a certain piece of merch that's coming up um because that does play into the okay. logo thing yeah. yeah but i'll talk about it when we get to it in a minute yes okay well let's um i'll tell you what let's land it let's land let's land the tires and we'll get into some news okay First up, this is a, a convention that's been going for a few years now. Mm. Um, anyone that's down in the southeast of the country, down in Bedfordshire, near Bedford, um, any Who fans will probably know of something called the Bedford Who Charity Con, which is now on its fourth outing, uh, con number four. And what they do, it's like, you know, uh, the format's very similar to any other convention that you might have been to. You know, these smaller Who conventions like the Tenth Planet stuff or... Yeah, phantom events, you know that kind of thing, um, and they they do have a fair a fairly decent lineup of mainly classic Who fans that attend these, um, but the difference being is um, instead of the the proceeds of the ticket sales going to fund you know the stars being there and and, and all that stuff and going back into into the future conventions, which I'm sure a little portion of it does, but the majority of it is for um, it's for a good cause, it's for charity, so. Um, everything that, so what, what they do is once they've paid the people to be there and they probably paid for the the venue hire, everything else that they make goes towards the Bedford food bank, which Mm. is emergency food for, um, nearly a thousand local children and adults every single month, which is really cool because you Mm. don't really see that very often. I think there are a couple of other little bits that you do see at conventions. The majority of them are run um just as they are and they might have like yeah. a little bit for charity here and there but this is a charity based convention which is really cool so once they've paid the people everything else they make they don't pocket they it just goes straight into into that charity which is very cool and at this year's one 
Uh, Colin Baker's there, Sophie Aldred, John Leeson, Angela Douglas, Ellen Thomas, and Mike Tucker are all at this one. Mike Tucker we saw at the screening of Sharda. Yes, he's a nice guy. He does all the uh, sort of model work and stuff, doesn't he? He's very mm-hmm. cool. I like uh, like Mike. Yes, yeah, very nice interesting guy to guy. chat to. Yeah, mm. um, but the reason for us, you know, uh, plugging it and also bringing it up now is because they've just announced a ten percent discount on all of the tickets. Oh, that's cool. So adults, children, all that, just everything's ten percent off, which is a bonus because you hardly ever see that at conventions as well. No. So all you need to do, you can't go to the website and apply a code or anything like that. It's a little bit of a manual process. So if you um, get your uh, computers out or your pen and paper, or if you want to just come back and listen to this and when you're doing it, if you email Simon Danes, and the email address is info at bedfordwhocharitycon.co.uk, you just send an email um, saying that you've read about the event on the Doctor Who News website, then they'll send you back your um, your your ten percent off code to put on the website, and the website itself is just bedfordwhocharitycon.co.uk. And when does the event take place? It's in April, I believe, uh, the seventh Saturday. Yeah, Saturday the seventh of April. Hmm. I must say, yeah. I mean, I don't I don't live near Bedford, but it sounds nice. I've never been to one of these events, but it says it's got uh, around two hundred people in the audience. Uh, relatively small scale gives an intimate atmosphere with signings and photo sessions and interviews. So, yeah, that sounds really cool, actually. It does. Yeah, yeah. that sounds good. Mm. So, yeah, 7th of April, if you want to get your tickets for that. Right, in other news, uh, Mr. Matt Smith <laughs> has um, has been on the ra- has been on radio. Been on radio. He's been uh, talking about his uh, Desert Island discs, the songs that he would take to a desert island. Um, he's actually one of a few doctors that's appeared on the show over the years. So William Hartnell did it. Back in 1965, John Pert, we did it in 1964, mm-hmm. the year before. Um, an episode that's now sadly lost. That's a shame, isn't it? Mm. Um, and David Tennant did it in 2009. So, yeah, Matt's joined those doctors in choosing his Desert Island disc selections. Um, but he had a few things to say about the, the new doctor as well. And also when he was cast, apparently when he was first cast as a doctor, he said that, um, he had a bit of a wobble. Um, about the fact he was going to be David Tennant's successor. So it sounds like he took the job and then thought, oh, what have I done? Um, but then he went on to say that um, it was one of the best things, one of the greatest experiences of, of his life was mm-hmm. doing Doctor Who. So uh, that's nice to hear. Um, he was also talking about the new Doctor, Jodie Whittaker. Um, and he said uh, he's only given her one bit of advice, which is uh, something that was passed on to him. doesn't say who by uh, which is just simply to listen to no one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I don't know what he means by that, but yeah, listen to no one, he said to me. In other words, I think he just means to follow your instincts and, and, and find your own way of playing the Doctor, I guess. I don't know, but yeah. yeah. I, I assume you can listen to this because normally they put these things up for on the, what's well, the equivalent of the radio iPlayer, isn't it? Yeah, so if you go on to the iPlayer website, um, there's some links across the top, like news, sport and weather and stuff, and one of those is radio. Yeah. So if you click into that and then just do a search for Matt Smith, it will come up. Or if you do a search for Desert Island Discs, you'll find it that way. Um, but no, it looks like a really cool interview. And there's a, there was a, a few sort of little interesting things, like you mentioned um, about that he almost turned the role down for Who. Mm. Um, but also, before he played the Doctor, he'd never, ever seen an episode of Doctor Who. Really? Never watched it oh, at all. Um, yeah, so when he was sort of growing up, he was... 
you know, with his mate. I don't think he was into it, he said, when he was younger. And then when he got into his sort of late teens and early adulthood life, uh, adulthood life, he was saying that, you know, on a Saturday night around seven o'clock when Doctor Who was on, you know, I was in the pub, <laughs> basically. So I was never... He's a bit of a lad, isn't yeah, he? Yeah, I was never home to watch it. Um, and some really interesting little things as well, like um, uh, he used to when he first got the role, he was very nervous and was quite worried about not being able to learn his lines properly and, mm. you know, looking like a bit of a fool in front of this, you know, you know, team of big talented people. So he, he felt that the only way that he could learn his lines properly was to turn them into a rap song. Oh, so really? he used to rap his lines <laughs> and that was the only way that he could sort of cement them into his head before he started filming. So it's got some really cool little nuggets of info in there that I don't think he's spoken about in other interviews and stuff. So it's uh, it's definitely worth a listen. And I think it's going to be on iPlayer. It's probably a, a week or so before they take it down. So, yeah, no, it's really, it looks really good. Or sounds like admit, a good interview. Yeah, I was going to say, I must admit, I'll definitely try and get this listened to before they, they take it down. Because I, I like Matt. I think he made for a great doctor. I really do. And it's really interesting when you hear him talking about that, you know, about how unconfident he was at the start and how he had to find his way. And because <laughs> it doesn't, to me, it doesn't come through on, on the, you know on in the episodes it, the only thing that does is when you go back and watch series five he looks so incredibly young i think by the time we got to series seven he'd really sort of grown into the sort of look and the feel of the, of his doctor um mm. but uh, i i think he was a, a great doctor so yeah i'll give that a listen i just saw the other funny thing that he said on there was um he described doctor who fans as a good bunch <laughs> <laughs> and he says one of the strangest things he's been shown is a tattoo of his own face opposite of that of david tennant's on a woman's inner thigh and he said to the woman uh what on earth does your boyfriend think and apparently her boyfriend was just stood next to him smiling so yeah i can imagine <laughs> they do i could just imagine his face though and he saw that yeah, wow in that's... one side tennant the other yeah that's a, yeah yeah interesting <laughs> need to be a fairly comfortable person to have matt smith and david tennant's face tattooed on your your other half's leg yeah <laughs> and come face face that person i was just thinking i'd love to be able to listen to the previous doctors as well wouldn't you mm. like the hartner one sh- sh- such a shame that the Pertwee one is lost um but i'd love to hear the william hartner one if they still got it in the archives yeah i could just imagine him because you know hmm, i want the beatles hmm? <laughs> well, i don't know also, i don't know what would hartner listen to i'd love to hear that yeah strange i'll tell you what i had the david tennant one recorded for a while i don't know what i've done with oh, the file yeah. but the david tennant one's very interesting it's quite an emotional one david tennant's one Oh, is it? Yeah, because a, a few of the tracks that he selects are from him growing up in near Glasgow and so on. Oh, yeah. And it's about him, you know, growing up and stuff. And some of the, he, he, he rec- the way one of the tracks that he recommended, I really like as well. I'd never heard of it. You know, the band Deacon Blue. Yes. What one Dignity. Of his, yes. One of his tracks was Dignity. And I, oh. first time I'd ever heard it after he played it on that show. And I was like, what a belter of a song. It's a great song. I only know that because I think you tweeted it a couple of weeks ago saying about, oh, great track, Dignity is. And I was like, yes, it is. And no one ever mentions it. I was really yeah, surprised. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, the, the David Tennant's good because I think his his mum had passed away mm. uh, prior, just prior to him recording that show as well. So there's a couple of moments where he's um, where he's a bit choky. But, yeah, it, it's a really good listen, that one with David Tennant. He's very honest mm. about his sort of early acting days and, and all the rest of it. So, yeah, it's a good listen. Try and find that one. 
I just imagine when Pertwee was recording his, I got visions of him sort of like with, you know, sat in a chair with his feet up next to the mic, a glass of port and some gorgonzola and cravat on, just, you know, picking random tracks. I could just see it. Such a shame that's that's lost. Yeah. Yeah. But I'll try and, t- I'll try and t- track down the tenant one. Yeah, it's good. Yeah. 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 Yes. What's going to do for news? Mm-hmm. We should probably get old Grumpy Pants in. Yeah. How is he today? Is he, is he happy? Well, I've not seen him. No. He's kept himself to himself. I'm worried about it when it happens. I know. He's normally at the door flashing his lights, but he's not. I can't even see him. Yeah. Let's get him in. Oi. <laughs> Come on. Match corner. Match corner. Match corner. I don't know whether to be impressed or disgusted. It's a bit rubbish, but it's pretty. It's very pretty. Oh, dear. Oh, dearie me. I know, what's up with him? He's gone off straight away. <laughs> Anyone would think he was busy, old Dalek Tat. Yeah. He's always ac- plotting. He worries me when he's like that. He's in a mood. They, get, they, get, they always get this sort of impression he's ready to take over the world or something. Yeah. He's, I just don't know what he's doing. He's got a kind of Stewie Griffin vibe about him. Mm. He's up to something. Like, he's in a mood. Up to something. That's that's the phrase I was looking yeah, for, yeah. Nothing a couple of backhanders won't sort out. But <laughs> Right, anyone that's ordered the Enemy of the World special edition, special release, special oh. edition, whatever. <laughs> um, anyone, that's or- <laughs> anyone that's ordered that DVD will have to wait another week. Oh, no. Gonna have to wait another week. They've pushed it back. Uh, so it was meant to be out. Hmm. When was it meant to be out? I think it was meant to be out on the 20 no the 19th the 18th and 19th i completely i can't remember do you know i've just realized looking at this i haven't ordered it yet it's come around really quick yeah yeah uh, but it's now going to be out on the 26th of march right oh that's all right then it gives me plenty of time to pre-order it yes so um yeah it's meant to be out on the 19th it's now coming out on the 26th nothing else to say I was going to say, I wonder why. What have they? What's happened now? Have they discovered that they've put the wrong doctor on the cover or something? <laughs> you know, what have they? What have they realised? It's probably a manufacturing thing, isn't it? I would say so. Yeah, yeah. I am glad though, because as I said, I seeing this now has just made me realise I've completely forgotten to order it. So, and I do want it, so I must get that pre-ordered. Uh, right. Um, in other merch news, uh, the Leftbridge Stewart range from Candy Jar is coming to a close. They, it's coming full circle, and uh, and the last book to be released is coming out called The Man from Yesterday, uh, which is going to sort of tie up a few loose ends that were started right back in the first book, uh, The Forgotten Son. Hmm. Um, I think now with Candy Jar, they don't actually give precise release dates, but I think this is just coming very soon, isn't it? I don't think we've got a. I'm just I looking to see there's so. a link. Yeah. So, yeah. so they've done 14 of these novels. Um, I've got most of them. I've, I think I've need to catch up with the last few. Is I stopped buying them uh, the last couple literally because I've still got about four books to read. I realised that they were coming out thick and fast, and I wasn't uh, getting around to reading them. But mm-hmm. they are great books, and um, I didn't realise that they were going to come to a the end i thought they were going to go on and on forever actually because it's um it's a nice range the leftbridge Stewart novels Mm -hmm. Uh, but yeah this one's going to tie everything up and it says um brigadier alistair leftbridge Stewart receives a phone call that will change his life could it be after all this time that his father has come back from yesterday so yeah and it says um 
it's the conclusion to the ongoing storyline that began with the forgotten son so yeah i do recommend these books we've said it a few times uh, great cover on this as usual um and it's quite nice i suppose in a way because it's uh, just sort of going to tie everything up by the sounds of it so mm-hmm. yeah i think i shall have to get this but i shall probably have to get the four that i haven't got whatever as well so yeah. want to get the complete set yeah it's been an awesome range of books these lethbridge mm-hmm. range i mean we um we we covered it all right from the beginning, didn't we? When the Forgotten Son came out, and we had Mr. Frankie, um, Mr. Frankie, Frank Allen <laughs> came yeah. on the show. Mr. Andy, he came on, and we had a chat with him. He's really nice. Um, and every book since then just seems to have taken really well with with the Who uh, sort of uh, don't know what word to describe. Really, what's not sort of the Doctor Who book club, but you know, if you're a bookworm mm-hmm. and you're into Doctor Who. There, there are always books coming out every year, yeah. Know, from 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 who, and it's normally sort of reference books. So, like the BBC put out like you know, scariest monsters in Who, or they'll put like the vault out, or have like you know, technical information on Daleks. You know those kind of referency techie books, yeah. Um, but then these ones are just pure, you know, just brilliant storytelling around a, a very important character, and all of the, sort of the offshoots and you know sub stories that go along with that mm. and it's a great range i mean this will be series five yeah when this finishes so um I'm, I'm exactly the same as you i need to buy the last few um to catch up but it's a it's a great series in a way it feels kind of weird to see it or hear about it coming full circle and closing off i think candy jar did say that they will still use the character in other stories and so on because they are doing their own little offshoots aren't they they are yeah 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 so i think it's not sort of the end that will that we'll see in book form from Candy Jar of, of the Brig. But yeah, it's um it's good in a way to have it full circle. Because you don't, you yeah. don't want to keep going on and on and on and it becomes, you know, not people don't really want it anymore. So it's good that it's ending now. Yeah, it's true. And like you said, I think they've got a few other pies in the oven from the sounds of it using, like you said, other characters. And it sounds like, yeah, it sounds like, you know, so this is the 14th novel. So it's kind of nice just to have that chunk of good stories and uh it was a good spin-off to do actually the leverage Stewart. i i think i think we said this at the time like out of all the sort of characters that you'd want to use you know the brigadier is such a mm-hmm. great character and there's so much scope with what they can do with him so yeah it's a nice thing and so if you want to get uh, if you want to get this last chapter or if you want to get any of the previous books um jump over to candy jar books website which um, I can always get wrong because it's got the underscore or something, isn't it? Yeah, it's candy-jar.co.uk. Uh, yep. That's it, yeah. Yeah, head over there. You can pre- you can get them in single editions or you can buy them as bundles from those guys. It's pretty good value. Yeah. Uh, right, last bit of merch. We spoke about this, didn't we, a couple of episodes back. Well, yeah, well, sort of, yeah, because we were talking about a Region 1 mm. release, weren't we? So yes. this is a nice surprise that's popped up. Indeed, yeah. yeah, because we were feeling a little bit hard done by because our mm. our good friends, our good Who fans over in the US were sort of rubbing their hands together with glee because <laughs> they got the really nice piece of Capaldi. Oh, that's um, a beautiful set. Yeah, yeah, they've got that sort of large format collectible Blu-ray set, which looks beautiful. And mm. then we heard a couple of weeks ago that they were going to get the um, Series 12 uh, Tom Baker classic series on Blu-ray. And we were like, oh, man. Mm. You know, oh, man. Another, man, another really cool set that we weren't going to get. But then, you know, the gods have smiled down upon us. Mm. And that same package is now going to be released here in the UK as well, which is great news. Mm. So the, 
Yeah, so Series 12, they've put Season 12 on the box set. Well, I knew you'd hate that. Yep. As soon as I saw it on Amazon, I thought, Gary ain't going to like that. Yeah. Season 12. We'll, we'll let them off. Mm-hmm. We'll let them off because I'm assumed that it's based off of, mind you, maybe just the BBC in the UK as well view it as uh, as seasons and not se- well, I don't know. Anyways, it's mm. Doctor Who Series 12, the collection. It's a special edition packaging um, set with Mr. Tom on the front and it's going to be released on the 11th of June and it's up for pre-order right now on Amazon. I haven't seen it on pre-order on Zavi or anything else yet, but I assume it will be. But um, uh, pre-order for you, mate. Absolutely, 100%. I must. I remember when we spoke about this a couple of weeks ago when we thought it was the Region 1 and we were talking about, well, how are the, you know, I love Tom's first series, first season, whatever you want to call it. Um, but we were sort of saying about, you know, transferring it to Blu-ray and, you know, is it a good thing? Um, I must admit that's all the sort of doubts I had have gone out the window because, right. A, even though this isn't the finished artwork, I think it looks gorgeous. Uh, it's Lee Binding again, isn't it? I think mm-hmm. I assume. Yep. Um, I, he put out a great tweet today saying, um, "June release date. Better get my crayons out and finish it then." So he's <laughs> obviously because it does say underneath artwork and image not final. That's right. So he's yep. obviously still working on it. But man, it looks gorgeous anyway. So mm-hmm. packaging's brilliant. It says it's a limited edition packaging. We don't know what that means. Um, I've got a feeling that might be one of those, uh, that word I can never say, lenia. The lenticular. The lenticular. It's one of those funny, like, holographic things. Mm -hmm. I just get that vibe. Um, And the extras on it, um, there are more to be announced, but the ones they've announced anyway are really, really good. So there's loads of... um, brand new bonus features there's a, a one hour candid interview with tom baker which i think might be by uh, matthew sweet because he posted a picture of the two of them right on twitter right. saying about this so yeah a brand new one hour interview with tom baker there's some uh, behind the sofa documentary featuring classic clips from the tom baker's era uh, watched by philip hinchcliffe louise jameson janet fielding sarah sutton and People like that. So that's really cool. There's a new making of documentary for the Sontaran experiment and Revenge of the Cybermen. There's the option to watch um, Revenge of the Cybermen with updated special effects. There's an omnibus edition of Genesis of the Daleks. And this, to me, is (laughs) worth the price alone. They have put the Tom Baker years VHS release on disc for the first time. Now, if you haven't seen this, (laughs) I bought the VHS many years ago and it came out. It is just so funny. It is. I am so pleased that they've managed to find a way to release it, um, you know, that they're going to put this on this release because it, it's basically Tom being Tom, mm-hmm. um, sitting down, watching clips from all of his stories um, and trying to talk about what he remembers after watching the clip. And he just doesn't remember anything. He keeps going, well, I don't, I don't remember anything. Let's try another one. <laughs> Let's try another one. <laughs> Let's try another one. And he just goes through it, but it is brilliant. It's just great. I mean, it's just Tom being Tom. Mm-hmm. And it, there's some really funny moments here. So I'm so glad that that's getting a, getting a release of some sort. So this, to me, is an absolute... I'm, I'm genuinely so buzzing about this release, mate. Yes. I really am. I don't care really about any of the worries we had before. I just I just can't wait to get it. It's You're right. It's 39.99 pre-order at the moment on Amazon. That might change uh hmv.com have got it for the same price i believe at the minute but it'll probably be probably be everywhere very intrigued to see what the limited edition is about it as well because we don't know yet yeah I, i'm 
99% sure it will just oh, be a slip on. case. Oh, sorry. I thought you were going to say 99% sure you're going to get it. Oh, I'll get it, yeah. Um, no. But the limited edition bit will probably be just a slip case that goes over the, oh, yeah. the thing I would have thought. But um, yeah, I'm really, really psyched, uh, psyched for this one. It, uh, it's Me a too. bit of a random thing to start with. It's a, you know, it to is. start with series 12. Hmm. Now, this could get expensive. <laughs> now then, <laughs> yeah. This could get expensive. Because if this does well, and they think, okay, just, I can just imagine if they did, for example, one box set of each of the Doctors on Blu-ray. Mm. Actually, you probably wouldn't do that, would they? Because a lot of it's missing for Troughton and, and stuff. But imagine if they did a, a, a series collection like this on Blu-ray of, you know, another three or four sets. That's a few hundred quid. I know. Right there. And if this is the start of them, you know, putting all of these series together in these special Blu-ray packages, crikey, that's that's a lot of a lot of wonga. It is, but I just I just keep thinking of having <laughs> I love the idea of complete sets. I just love the thought of my shelf having series twelve, series thirteen, the whole of the McCoy era in one box with glorious lean binding artwork. I just I just bring it on. I, I just I hope it is. I really <laughs> hope it is. I wonder if they've started at this point because the the Pertwee stuff, um uh, you know, everything up until this point is so you know, they've had to sort of source so many different mm. Um, video copies and you know I mean some I mean like Inferno is such a great story but the you know the quality of it because they've had to sort of piece together all these different versions to make it you know uh, because they junked the episodes and stuff I just wonder if it's just easier for them to start with Tom plus Mm -hmm. he's such an iconic doctor you know he's one of the most famous doctors they probably think it's a good place to start I really hope we're getting complete sets from here on I I know it's extra money and whatever (laughs) but I, I want. I really hope so. I hope this does really well. I, want, I just want my whole shelf to be full of complete series <laughs> Doctor Who. I'd love that. Yeah, I can tell in your voice that was brilliant. I, I was like, this could get expensive, and you're like, yeah, but I don't care. It's just money, isn't it? <laughs> just let the credit card burn. <laughs> <laughs> Let's <laughs> let max it burn, this baby. Out. Let's do yeah. It. Oh, I just I want to max it out. Um, one thing I was going to say. I mentioned about the um, the new logo earlier, and now they have used it. Uh, yes, we we yeah. assume because as I said, this artwork is not final, but it, they have used the new logo on this packaging, which has caused quite a mixed reaction. Some people love it, and some people are saying, "Well, you know, why it should be Tom's logo, the diamond logo." So, how do you feel about it? Because you don't like this logo, and it's on this lovely new cover. So, how does that sit with you? Yeah, I was going to say it's the first mm-hmm. sort of home media that's going to feature the new logo, and I'm not happy with that, mate. But you know what? Before you say, I, I, it looks like that little bottom piece of the packaging comes off, and I'm wondering if the the other logo's underneath it. No, it won't be. No. No. What's no. that? What's that for then? It's got like a little. Yeah, that's tray. The li- yeah, that's the little slip thing that's going to be around. So you think that's yeah. going to come off, and it'll be the same underneath? Yeah, I think it will go all the way up the back, and then it oh, will come yeah. around the, at the bottom at the front. I've got a couple of Blu-ray box sets like that. Oh, you could be right. You could yeah, be right. The Star Wars box set does it the other way. It's got the bit across the top like that and then it goes all the way down the back i'm with you but wouldn't that yeah. be nice though if they did i mean that's what i would do if they want to put the new logo fine but as yeah. you can remove that bottom section wouldn't it be lovely if tom's logo's underneath it i think yeah. that'd be fantastic but well, i yeah i think you're probably right it's down the it's down the spine as well though the new logo true it is yeah. yes it is i yeah. don't like that i don't like i, I, <laughs> I yeah. knew you wouldn't but you know it's um 
yeah, it's it, it's it, very small change in the grand scheme of things. So it's just good that we're getting fresh classic Who. It is, and this, even though this so. isn't out for months, we've still got it's got thirteen reviews on Amazon already, <laughs> and I can see that about at least four of them are moaning about the logo. <laughs> so the first review I looked at says new series logo on a classic series release question mark question mark question mark so yeah it's already getting people fired up and it hasn't even come out yet so yeah i can't wait mate bring it on yeah cool <laughs> bring it on bring it on right i think that's going to do for news buddy okay yes it's time for a trip down to the sweet the sweet shop <laughs> <laughs> I only have to look at that picture of the candy man. It makes me laugh. <laughs> oh, God, right. Adam, what are we doing this week, mate? So this week, uh, Gary Sigma, we are, do- <laughs> <laughs> we are doing the Happiness Patrol. Candyman, I don't believe you've met my young friend Ace, an expert in calorification, incineration, carbonisation and inflammation. I beg your pardon. She's come to look at your oven. Has she indeed? Then she should wait to be asked. Impolite guests get to feel the back of my candy hand. That may be candy man, but the last time we met you said you were going to kill me. Really, Doctor? Thank you for reminding me. I wouldn't give that pimple at 100 to 1 against you, Professor. Pimple head indeed. I'm disappointed in you, Doctor. I expected you to choose your friends more carefully. Still, she won't be a friend much longer, will she? I agree, you are a pimple head. I'm finding this rather tiresome. Heads or tails, Doctor? Tails. Well... That would be telling. You're playing a dangerous game, Candyman! That red-hot poker could cut through you like a knife through butterscotch. I have to bow however reluctantly to your logic, which leaves me only one alternative. Pickace! Open the oven door! You'll keep sort of colouring, flavouring. It's a sunrise, sprinkle it with dew. Comfort it in chocolate and a miracle or two. The Candyman. The Candyman can. Oh, God, the Candyman. Oh, lovely stuff. The Candyman. Lovely stuff. <laughs> so just hearing the audio, I hadn't realised. Um, they actually sound a bit like the Silurians in Warriors of the Deep that were reviewed recently, doesn't it? It's got that same high pitch modulator. <laughs> oh, dear. The Candyman. <laughs> Gary's oh. gone. He's oh, gone. God. He's cracked up. <laughs> um, yeah, well... <laughs> <laughs> We'll we'll come on to the Candyman in a little while, I suppose. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> yeah, we'll we'll come on to him in a bit. But oh, oh man, right, the Happiness Patrol. <laughs> yeah, first game. <laughs> first game to our screens. On the 2nd to the 16th of November in 1988. <laughs> it was uh, written by Graham Curry and directed by Chris Clough, overseen by um, Andrew Cartmill and JNT. And it's uh, obviously a 7th Doctor and Ace story. 
<laughs> story. And um, the uh, the Doctor and Ace visit um, uh, one of the colonies on the planet Terra Alpha, and they're immediately um, sort of off-put by the uh, very strange and false uh, happy atmosphere. And they soon learn that um, the... Uh, I'm not sure what sort of positions he is, really, um, but the... The, the villain in the story, um, Helen A., uh, is a person that's kind of uh, um, uh, smacking out any kind of bad vibes mm-hmm. and unhappiness. And uh, she's doing that in a kind of ruthless, um, uh, uh, I'm trying to think of the right word. It's a little bit political, this one. Um, it is, yeah. yeah. Uh, it's a bit of a, uh, a dictatorship. I think That's is the it. right way to say it. Yeah, she's got mm. rules of an iron fist and she sort of uh, scrubs people out of existence um, in sometimes comical ways. Mm. And um, uh, yeah, so there's these uh, uh, patrols, aptly named, the happiness patrols that go around the streets and they arrest people who are unhappy or depressed. And uh, the Doctor and they sort of get caught up in it. They uh, it's quite, it's, it's one of those cool stories where the doctor really wants to get involved in this one. You know, mm. you know, in some stories where they land and like, oh, this is a bit, yeah, let's get out of here. But then they get captured and so on and they get drawn into it. In this one, the doctor and Ace are like, right, you know, something's off, something's not We've right. We've got to sort this out. Yeah. You know, let's yeah. get arrested. You know, let's get yeah. in amongst it. Um, so they, they go into sort of the underground and they, you know, they find out what's going on. And then it ends with, um, uh, with sort of the rebellion, you know, the weird monsters coming up from the sewers and the uh, the regular people who are sort of fighting back and they take over Terra Alpha and Helen A ends up in a sort of weeping mess on the floor. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so, right, then, Happiness Patrol, little three-parter. Yeah. Seventh Doctor, what do you reckon? I, it's, it's bizarre, isn't it? I've literally, I've literally just finished watching this about half an hour before we started to record. Because uh, being away, I mean, I've, I've seen it a few times over the years, but um, as is usual these days, I haven't seen it for a long time. Um, one thing that struck me about it is, if you take away the production values, this is an incredibly dark story. Yes. <laughs> there is a lot of death in this story. Mm-hmm. Like people are wiped out left, right, and centre in this. Um, so I, I did enjoy it on, on a level. (laughs) And the only way I can explain that is by saying, I thought the script itself was brilliant. I absolutely (laughs) love the story that's in, in the the heart of this. Um, but as a piece of television, I suppose it's, um, probably let down by the budget and the sort of restraints of the time it was made. Cause it, I did find myself getting a bit bored in the middle and production wise, the sets and some of the costumes and things mm-hmm. are terrible. Um, but, but I did enjoy it. As I said, I thought it was a really, it's actually quite an adult script. I it think yeah. I, I've got to say, I, I didn't like this particularly as a kid because a lot of it went over my head watching it as an adult i think the actual story although it seems on the on the face of it to be quite comical with the candy man looking funny and everyone wearing silly clothes if you take all that away it's actually a really adult story Mm -hmm. this Mm -hmm. um and i'm appreciate it so much more now than i did as a kid so yeah i i do I, i do love the story itself um i just found it was sort of let down by as i said the sort of production really which is nobody's fault they've really tried to do the best they can and they've actually managed to get 
the studio lights in the BBC Centre turned down <laughs> for once, uh, mm-hmm. apart from all the scenes in Helen A's house, but um, or room, whatever. Um, yeah, I don't know. It's a it's a strange story, but I think it's as I said, a great story at the heart of it. But um, but yeah, we'll talk about productions going to it. I just there are bits of it I just don't know what to make of it, <laughs> if you know what I mean. But um, but I did enjoy it overall. I, I I do think it's a very good story. Yeah. Okay. What about you, mate? Yeah, it's um. Yeah, I think it's it's got some messages in here that I think it's very metaphorical as well. Because, very. Do you know what I mean? So it it does have this very dark story underneath it all, mm. and when they talk about like the candy man, all these sweets and so on, it is a little bit like the old kind of not saying or proverb, but you know, like sometimes, you know, when you sort of scratch the surface, even if something's beautiful and sweet on top, you know, there's sometimes, you know, horrible things underneath. It's that kind of feeling to it. It's very metaphorical. So it's got this really dark adult story, like you said, that, mm. that runs through the core of it. This very communistic sort of dictatorship sort of thing going on. Um, and then on the top, it's got like a sort of sprinkling of, you know, sweets and candy to sort of mask this darkness, what's going mm. on. And because of that, I, I completely forgot how dark it is. It's incredibly dark. It is. I, I completely forgot. And then when I watched it, I was like, wow, this is, uh, this is very dark. So, um, but yeah, I, I think it's a good watch. And part of me thinks like I shouldn't enjoy it. There's a part mm. of me that thinks, come on, you know, the candy man looks completely ridiculous, you know, and the, the, the sets are a bit, you know, it, like the early years, the early part of, of McCoy's era is a bit, um, you know, not much budget at all to do anything. No. So everything's no. a little bit sort of, you know, cheaply made, you can tell. And yeah, but I do like it. it. It has got a watchability to it. And you think, oh, you know, I just can't stop really watching it. I think because it's over three parts and it's paced quite well. It doesn't, mm. you know, you don't, you're not thinking, oh, crikey, I've got, you know, you've watched three parts already. And then you think, crikey, I've got another three to go. This is, you know, a slog. It's only three parts. And so it moves quite nicely, quite quick. And uh, the performances I found were, were really good, uh, especially um, McCoy. Yeah. McCoy and um, Helen A. I, I thought those two did a really great job. She really, really bought into that role. Totally taking it yeah. seriously. Yeah. 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 Because there's yeah. A, in this story, it'd be so easy for them to sort of ham it up, wouldn't mm-hmm. it? Mm-hmm. Because of the surroundings and sort of like the, the sort of almost ridiculous nature. But everybody's playing their part really straight laced. Yes. Even yeah. though sometimes they look absolutely ridiculous. <laughs> Um, but I've got to say, yeah, one of the real plus points of this story is the cast themselves. Yes. Um, I know we'll yeah. go into it more as we talk through them, but the cast are excellent in this. And I'd forgotten how many sort of, um, I won't say big names because they, they, you know, if you say the names, they, they probably wouldn't mean anything. But they are people that appeared in television a lot. They're experienced actors that, you know, I recognize them being in lots of other programs as supporting actors, if you know what I mean, in supporting roles. So it's a fantastic cast. I mean, Sheila Hancock's quite a big name anyway she was a big name back then so mm-hmm. she's like you said absolutely superb in it and really does add that sinister tone to it and that's what i love about this mate is that even through all the sort of ridiculous costumes and the and the get getaway goat cart that goes about half a <laughs> mile an hour and even even with these sort of things that bring it down 
it still has a really great sort of sinister scary vibe to it because mm-hmm. they will not hesitate to to kill people and people die they quite do. a lot yeah. so you're sort of thinking okay that they, they may look like they're sort of all sugar-coated but actually you don't want to mess with them because i mean it's um who's the woman that can't wait to gun people down um daisy k that's it yeah have she's... a night well she say have a nice death or whatever <laughs> she could say you know she just can't wait to obliterate anyone that's even remotely looks unhappy and you know so it has got a good threat level to it even though at times it looks a bit ridiculous in <laughs> terms of what's on the screen yeah yeah i agree mate yeah it's got um it's got some dark moments and it's also got some um uh some well it's, it's difficult to say in terms of whether they were intent whether they were intentionally dark or whether you wanted them to sort of get the audience to figure that stuff out on their own if you just wanted to provide enough um you know if if, i think that's the right way of saying it so they could have been very direct with it and made it a very visually dark episode but i think they went in the right direction with it and just sort of made the audience sort of have that uncomfortable feeling throughout Mm. the story if you know what i mean because it is uncomfortable in a couple of places like there's a bit where one of the guys, when Helena sort of says, right, you know, termination. And the, there's, it, it looks, it, it already it looks like, oh, crikey, you know, something's going to go down. And they have the happiness patrol sort of standing around the platform with their guns trained at the, the guy. And you think, yeah. oh, he's going to get shot. But then they sort of lower their guns and walk out and you think, oh, well, what is going to happen then? And then the, the, the gunk, the thing comes down and sort of swallows him up. And then he sort of just, lands out of it covered it's in horrible. all of this stuff and he's clearly dead you know yeah. so what has he been drowned has he been poisoned you know what's going on but he's just laying there lifeless like his body's just dropped out of the of the tube thing and it's really i noticed as well that whatever they were shoving down that tube is coming out with such force that he actually moves across the it it's enough to move him yeah. across the edge because yeah. i think the guy's lying there and he's probably thinking I've, i'm going over the edge of this you know, platform in a minute, mm-hmm. you know, so they must have really shoved that stuff down there. Yeah. Must have been really horrible to do that, actually. But yeah, yeah. scenes like that are really mm-hmm. like, they're quite shocking in such a sort of what's on the surface is quite a sort of bright, colourful story. Well, yeah. you know, in yeah. the character wise, yeah. Yeah, that's what, that's what I quite like about it. Because when you mm. look at the front of the, of the, the Blu-ray cover or every, when you see any sort of promotional shots of this episode, it's always the candy man and the whole sweet things. And yeah, it's not until you watch it and you think, crikey, this is, you know, that's, that's on the surface. That's like the, the sugary crust, mm. you know, that the, that Helen a and, you know, they want you to see, they want outsiders. Cause there's a guy that's visiting the planet. He's doing like some kind of inspection, isn't he? Oh yeah. Yeah. And, um, so she wants him to think like, Oh, you know, everything's fine. You know, everyone's happy. And the ones that aren't, we sort of deal with them and it's all good. And it's not until you dig down deeper and he starts to witness it a little bit of him for himself that you do realise that, ah, okay, that's fair enough, but you are sort of killing people quite quite horrifically. <laughs> mm. And I, I and I quite like that about the story. I did like that. Yeah, because there's that great scene where the Doctor um, is talking to, what's his name? It's um, Trevor Sigma, isn't it? Sigma. There's some lovely yeah. scenes between him and McCoy, actually. But there's the bit where they're sat on the stairs and he's sort of finished his report and he's got that scroll 
with which I assume is all the de- names of the dead people, is it? It is. And yeah. then McCoy just yeah. throws the scroll out down the stairs, and it's just miles long. And I thought, you know, just great scenes, but you're thinking, mm-hmm. oh my god, that's all the that's all the dead then. And it's um, yeah, again, really dark stuff for Doctor Who, you know. Um, the stuff that you know I see now in the story that went straight over my head as a kid, and I and I think really this is aimed at sort of more of a teenage sort of adult audience i'd mm-hmm. say in terms of the story um you know i mean we all know now that that helena is, is based on margaret thatcher supposedly mm-hmm. margaret thatcher character. you've got the funny creatures in the sewers which i suppose i'm assuming represented like the coal men coal miners at the time you mm-hmm. know trying to overthrow her and all that sort of stuff um not sure what uh um Thief is supposed to represent. Uh, <laughs> we'll get onto that thing yeah. later. But yeah, there's all these, you know, like you said, there's all these sort of subliminal messages. And but I just love the concept of it about um, that you, it's a crime not to be happy. Such mm-hmm. a simple idea for a story, but a brilliant idea. It, it kind of reminds me a bit of Paradise Towers, this one. I'm glad you said it's, that. Yes. Yeah, it's yep. very contained, isn't it? Mm-hmm. It's all studio based. It's very contained. It's all about this sort of strange person overseeing and controlling everything. So it does it does have elements of that, although it's written by a different person. But mm-hmm. yeah, I couldn't help but feel that sort of vibe. But I think if, if anything, this has done a lot darker and a lot better yeah it's definitely darker and it's got a kind of um what would you say it's got a kind of really old gangstery 50s Mm. 1950s feel to it like a film noir kind of vibe to it because a lot of people when they're not in their sort of pink bright pink outfits you've got them in like trench coats and hats and stuff and these old style dick tracy type of suits and so on so it definitely fits that feel, that look and feel. It's very dark because the opening scene is this woman who's looking clearly down and depressed, walking through this very darkly lit street and she sort of pops herself down and that's when we have the undercover guy um, who sort of befriends her and tricks her into revealing that she is depressed. And you know, So it, it starts off with, it even starts off dark, doesn't it? And it ends with you know, a sort of dark little scene, really. Well, not the very end, but the bit with Helen A. Yeah. You know, so throughout the entire story, she's banging on about, you know, snuffing out unhappiness and all that lot. And in the end, she sort of collapses within her own sadness and and unhappiness, really. Um, I I thought that was a great ending actually because mm. yeah she's all she's all about you mustn't show any sad emotions and what a waste of time that is you know how i wouldn't be seen dead crying yeah. and all this sort of thing and then you see that the, you know obviously poor old fifi gets uh well <laughs> i don't know what what is it meant to be a sort of dog stroke rodent um which is her pet her <laughs> beloved pet which she dotes on all the time when she sees it's died and she just collapses in a heap, doesn't she? And it's just yeah. great to see this steel iron, for want of a better phrase, iron lady just crumble yeah, yeah. and doing the very thing that she's been killing people for doing, mm-hmm. you know, of, uh, of actually showing emotion. It's a real good twist, I think, it is. Um, to the story. Yeah, it, yeah. it has a certain impact, yeah. Because it was only moments before that she turned to the doctor and said, love, I've always found it overrated. Overrated, She's got yeah. this steel face. And then she sees her little Fifi, and that's it. She's she's gone. Crumbles. Yeah. yeah. What did you think to um, the direction for this one? Because it is a self-contained. It's all studio sets yeah. and stuff, isn't it? What do you, what did you think to this? Because sometimes studio set stuff in the classic years can suffer from a bit of um, looking a bit static and still, and not much 
energy. What did you think on this one, though? Yeah, I mean, the director's Chris Clough. I think he did a good job of what they had. I mean, I find the sets ghastly, to be honest with you. <laughs> I really don't like the sets. Um, they look so cheap and ha- nasty, even when the lighting is down really low. But when you see, like, the full you know, like Helen A's room and it's all so brightly lit. They really look cheap and horrible. Um, and it's such a shame really, because I kept thinking all the way through this, such a sharp, clever script by mm-hmm. uh, Graham Curry. I'd love to see, I wouldn't love to see it remade, but I would love to see this done with a really good budget um, with this cast right. back in the day. I mean, if you imagine it was some, some decent production values, I think this could have been fantastic. Um, but I, I, I wish Chris had pushed the, boat a little because he talks about in the direct in the making of how they had all these ideas about shooting strange angles and making it very much like the third man they even considered for a little while doing it in black and white i think or or briefly considered Mm -hmm. filming it some of it in black and white and making it all shadows and uh, you know creating this atmosphere so i kind of wish i wouldn't want them to do it in black and white but i kind of wish they'd just push the boat a little more uh, to what they were thinking because right. i think what they've done is really good but yeah I, I love the sound of some of the ideas that they actually had when they were sort of conceiving this story about all the crazy angles and shadows and making this world you know out of all of that and i, I just wish they'd done that a little <laughs> bit more because as, as i said i think there is such a great story to be told here but i i just it doesn't quite translate onto screen right unfortunately right. but i i do i do think he did a good job as i said it's probably just down to the constraints of yeah, the way they made yeah. television back in the day that it doesn't you know doesn't sort of leap out as much as it should i don't think uh, no. it, it feels very confined it seems as if they've got about four sets and they do have to just shoot on those sets and yeah it does feel very confined but i think he does a good job of what what he's got yeah uh, no, i fair. agree i agree it does feel it's a bit like paradise towers the same feeling mm. it feels very contained but not in a claustrophobic way it just feels like they just haven't got enough money to you know knock another couple of sets up or even just make them a bit larger so there's one scene where the doctor sets up one of the happiness patrols where he's out in what looks like the town square or yeah. in front of a village hall or some town hall or something like that and he's up on the steps with a microphone <clears throat> and then they turn up and then he gets everybody out cracking up laughing sort of reverses it a little bit yeah. you know so that there, when the camera pulls back, it's, there's nothing in the backgrounds at all. It's just blackness, you know. You know, it looks a bit like a theatre play. It does those yeah. scenes. So it'd be nice to have, you know, a bit more going on in those larger sets. Mm. But that's just one of the constraints, and it's there are little pockets throughout these McCoy uh, stories because the BBC just, you know, has had enough of it. Basically, yeah. you know, they just weren't giving it the money at all you know, to do anything decent. And as you can tell, because when the Candyman gets gets his comeuppance, what, what we should have seen is him sort of getting mangled up in the tubes and stuff. But what we see is him sort of there fully intact at one point. And then the next scene, we just see this mangled leftovers of the Candyman yeah. sort of coming down the tube and and that's it. So I would assume, you know, with the budget, we would have seen him getting sort of mangled up and, and destroyed. But... You know, it's just, you have to use your imagination a little bit. So, But there are little pockets of like little scenes where you think, ah, oh, you can tell they just didn't have the time or the money to get that bit rocking and rolling. It does look very cheap to me. I mean, mm. to be honest, I'm not normally too bothered by sets and, and stuff, but for some reason, 
it does bug me in this story because I, I just think it really could have looked it. I just I just keep imagining what could have been, you know, mm-hmm. um, like what they're trying to do. I just imagine that with a bit more money, how good yeah. Yeah. this story could have been. Um, but because, as I said, normally, you know, it, it, the set does really bother me. It's all down to performances and the performances are so good in this. I just wish they'd had the sort of budget to make the rest of the show as good mm-hmm. You know, because I think it deserves more. I, I think this episode so much more. I think <laughs> I think it. I think the story deserves much more than mm-hmm. it it got uh, in terms of sort of budget. Um, yeah. I mean, the Candyman's Kitchen just about gets away with it with the ovens yeah, and stuff. Like the there's... lights, haven't they? The swirly patterns yeah. from the lights and stuff, and it does make it feel a bit more. But Helen A's yeah. room and stuff just like you said, it looks like a sort of like a real bad theater set. Um, I mean, the tunnels, the underground tunnels. I mean, they look good because they keep mm. it really simple mm-hmm. and they use lighting to to sort of make it look like they're tunnels. It's so simply done. Um, they work really well. But um, but yeah, it just as a, as an episode, it just doesn't look particularly good mm-hmm. <laughs> in in the way it's done, uh, which is a shame because there's some great stuff going on in it. Yeah, unfortunately, that was a sort of a thing to to plague the McCoy era. And it wasn't their fault, really. It wasn't John Nathan Turner's fault or anything like that. They just didn't get the love from the executives at the BBC. I'm sure if they if those guys are more into it, they said, yeah, have a few more quid, mm. you know, do your thing. But, yeah, they just weren't getting the love. I think this one probably suffers from it the worst, actually, because yeah, you've got Remembrance yeah. was before it, which is, which is a great story, and it's, a lot of it's on location. You've got Silver Nemesis next, um, have we reviewed that? I can't remember. I don't want to say too Hold much. Hold on, steady. Is steady. Oh, I can't remember if we've done it. And then, of course, you've got... Um, uh, we have, yeah, we have reviewed it. Oh, we've done two of All yeah. right. Um, so, yeah, I mean, you know, that's, again, a lot of it's on location. Then you've got great show finished off this season series. And uh, that's all done in the tent. And a lot of that's on the location as well. So this one's this sort of only real, completely studio-bound story. Um, and it really does does show i think it's um it's not it's not a big thing i just i just said i just kept thinking all the way through god imagine this with just a little bit of money put into it It would have been great Mm -hmm. you know yeah i I love all the things with the names as well so again simple idea helen a joseph c daisy k gilbert m it's just really cool just having i don't know Mm -hmm. it just again it just makes everyone so um it's a bit like that you know, you know, when people say they're being controlled because they call you by a number rather than a name, you're number one, you're number six. Just having just a single letter at the end of name just again makes them feel very conformed. Yes, you know, yeah. like controlled. I think that's a good, great idea as well. Yeah, and I didn't notice that the first time I watched it either. It wasn't until a couple of other viewings, and when I watched this this morning, yeah, that I thought, oh yeah, that does sort of. It's almost sort of halfway there to them just having a single letter for their name. You know, mm. it's kind of halfway where it's like, yeah, like you're right. It's like sort of conforming to yeah. this regime. You know, it's um very clever, actually. It's a really we, clever script. It is. And did mm. you notice the thing about the doctor saying about his nickname? Mm. Theta Sigma. I was thinking, oh, because I, I hadn't picked up on that before. Um, apparently, it's been in other episodes as well. I think I saw on Wikipedia, which uh, I don't remember that. And it's a cool little um easter egg isn't it the doctor says oh my my nickname used to be theta sigma mm-hmm. yeah does he say at school or something like at that school, yeah 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 so that's quite good um does it i don't know what the other stories were i've seen if it said but apparently he uses that name in other words i'm sure our good friends at the theta sigma podcast will be able to tell <laughs> us yeah but apparently that's a bit of a thing so that's cool 
Yeah, yeah that's a nice little touch. Mm. Yeah, it was good. Okay, dokie, let's talk about some characters. Um, what, let's talk about the 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 group of women that we see in the main <laughs> happiness patrol then from the very off, really. Um, so they're like, who is it? Susan Q, Priscilla P, Silas P. Daisy K. Daisy I love K. the way Daisy K speaks. Yeah, you, you, you sound don't a bit like, happy to me, Doctor. You sound a bit like um, a really early Michael Caine. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I thought I was going down the elephant, Mary. <laughs> um, so, yeah, we've got um, those guys who turn up very quick and they're mm. in it pretty much throughout. And uh, like we mentioned earlier, the supporting cast are into their roles, really. Oh, yes. Because in the... And they're not hamming it up either. I remember in Paradise Towers where we have the, um, what are they? The the the, the blue... cleaners. <laughs> no, the the groups of the little gangs of girls. Oh, the kangs. The kangs and the whatevers. You know, sometimes they're really hamming it up, like presents going for it. Yeah. Whereas yeah. in this one, I thought they were quite reserved and a bit more sort of uh, dignified in their performance. If that makes sense, they were sort of going with the story but they weren't kind of it wasn't sort of opening night at the theater if that makes sense yeah no totally i was yeah. actually very surprised mm. by the performances from well let's start with this group that you mentioned it because as i said i think dressed as they are and sort of given the slightly comedic style of the story although it's dark but it would have been i'm surprised how seriously they're taking it and it really mm -hmm. makes the, the story so much better for it um you know as i said daisy k i think uh Georg georgina hale um again somebody i've seen in other things do you remember that program where she used to be um i don't, I don't know if she's a witch or she's got a t-shirt um oh that was, um, what it was grot called. bags no, not grot bags. Yeah. Oh, oh, oh. She's like, T-shirt, where's my cake? She's got that really strange voice, which I absolutely love. Oh, that's so going to bug me now. Oh, I'll tell you what. I'll click on, let me click on her name and I'll be able to tell you what it is. But she's just so venomous and brilliant in it. I just loved her character. I almost wish she'd been in it just a little bit more, actually. Because I just love the fact that she's just riding around. <laughs> you know, you don't look very happy. And she just can't wait to shoot people. Was that Daisy K? Was it Daisy K? Yeah, yeah. And I love because I love it, like it at the end when she's talking to Helen A, and uh, she's like, "You don't look very happy." Oh, yeah. <laughs> and she's like, "No, I'm happy. I'm happy." And you're thinking, "Gosh, she's even ready to kill Daisy K, her own, you know." Oh, uh, was it um what, her her nephew or her son's name in this program was called T-shirt, and her name was Teabag. Teabag, yeah. What's the program? Uh, Teabag and something. Oh, what was it? I used to love that. It was really cool. Yeah. And what was it called? Uh, television. Here we go. I'll find it. What was it was named something, wasn't it? Oh, that's really good. But people, somebody our age listening to the podcast will know what we're on about. <sighs> but it was such a crazy program. And she was like the main character in it, wasn't she? <laughs> Um, yes. I can't find it anyway, but yeah, somebody out there will know and will tell us. Um, but she's great in it, I think, and <laughs> she's sort of leading the gang. And there's another actress that's you know, the one that's in the waiting room, and the doctor's like, This isn't a prison, then no, 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 it's not a prison. Oh, yeah. she's really good, and <laughs> I recognize her from other stuff as well. Um, Who was that? Silas P, I no, think no, no, it sorry. is. Um, no. Priscilla P, sorry. Priscilla P. Yeah. Yeah, she's really good. As I said, another actress I just recognised from from other programmes. And but again, it's just the fact she's 
really <laughs> trying to keep the smile the whole way through, but she's delivering really awful news. <laughs> just, again, just a really cool performance. You know? Really cool. Uh, yeah, yeah, when the doctor's like, so if we nick that buggy, you're not going to shoot us? No, no, I'm not going to shoot you. <laughs> you know, and she's smiling. I, d- I just thought she was great as well. Yeah, they were good, actually. Yeah. It's very, very rare we say that. You know, especially some of these roles where you've got to, you know, there's a bit of action involved. There's a bit of, you know, sometimes it's it's easy just to go a bit over the top. I think they could you have know. easily gone over the top in this. Yeah. 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 Very good. And then we have the other, one of the other um, girls is the, the complete opposite. So when Ace gets captured and she goes for an audition for something, she gets put in a room and there's one of the happiness patrol and she's like, she's kind of, like mentally exhausted by the whole thing. So she's just not bothered about appearing, you know, too happy anymore. Do you remember that scene? Yes. Yeah, I know. And again, another actress is sort of very familiar from things. Yeah. Mm. She was really good because she kind of just lets Ace go. She she doesn't really agree with what's going on. Hmm. So she's like, how about you play the disappearing act? It's really clever because Ace is like, what do you mean? She's like, well, if I give you this key and sort of close my eyes, so she's effectively just let Ace go because she knows that if you let Ace go, there's a chance that they'll, you know, sort the whole thing out. So, yeah, really good performances from those because it's an all-female uh, band, isn't it? It is, which actually, do you know what? I didn't even really think about that until you've just said it. But, oh. yeah, it's all, they're all female uh, patrol officers, aren't mm. they? Um, I, I get the feeling, actually, because there's a nice bit of uh, character building between Ace and that character, um, the one who sort of doesn't really want to be in the happiness patrol, but is forced to. I, I think if this had been a four-parter, I think we would have got to see more of them together because yes. they kind of both get, um, not arrested, but they get taken away, don't they, at one point, mm-hmm. and their faces are on the posters and they're sort of, so they kind of, you know, she gets found out and stuff like that. So I think if, we'd have, if this had been a four-parter, I think we might have got to see more of them too trying to bring down the system if you like because yeah. she yeah. You, you can see the potential there can't you for a good mm-hmm. pairing between yes. her and ace but we only get glimpses of it really it's mostly told off screen actually isn't it that's right um yeah. but yeah i think they could have been very good together uh, just to let you know <laughs> the, t- the program was called teabag it was just called teabag oh, okay right yeah it doesn't sound right does it, it doesn't no. sound that's not how i remember it but that's what the program is called yeah teabag it was yeah. awesome it was awesome. Yeah. yeah, I kind of want to watch it. Now. Anyone that grew up sort of through 80s television, kids 80s TV, you, you'll recognise it straight away. If you saw a screenshot or a little clip on YouTube, you'd know. If you were born in the early 80s or the late 70s and grew up watching 80s kids TV, you'd know. You'd know. Yeah. And Georgina Hale, I think, is so memorable from that because she's got this voice, isn't she? And she's actually a very good performer i think she's really good in the in the part mm-hmm. um she's really good in this but she's yeah she's there's something distinctive about her which i think always sticks in in your mind which is why i think we remember that show really yeah yeah because i always remember her she um uh she had this kind of big sort of queen of hearts red costume in teabag didn't she with the big headpiece <laughs> and so on yeah oh yeah. man that's crikey that's flashbacks right there I know. But yeah, it's great to see her popping up in this and giving such a venomous role again. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, it's good. Uh, what do you think to the interesting little twist then of these sort of natural inhabitants of um, of Terra Alpha? You know, like the kind of strange people that live down in the in the pipes. I think they have the yeah. nickname of pipe people. They, they sound very, 
white people, yeah. They sounded they sounded really sort of husky and like, all right. Because there's a bit where Ace is in trouble, isn't it? And he launches his spear like Ace, boom. Like, yeah. Um, I found them really. I'm not. I'm undecided whether they were necessary in the story or not. I can't quite make up my mind, but they're interesting little little throw in. Yeah, it's funny. I don't think they are particularly necessary to the story. I, I think they're only in there to sort of represent, you know, this whole Thatcherism undertone that's that's in the script, but not really sort of in your face. I, I do like them, though, because they, they sort of remind me of classic Who, if that makes sense. It's yes, like yeah. they look like they could be in like one of Tom Baker's stories because right, of the right. sort of masks and stuff they wear. So I don't know. Something about them is very Doctor Who. Mm-hmm. And I and I quite like that. So I don't think we needed them in the story. I agree with you there, but mm. uh, but I do like the fact they're in it. And they, mm. they do give it another element, and that, I think they are quite interesting. Yeah. Uh, again, could have explored them a bit more if we'd have had a fourth part. Um, I think. Yeah. yeah. Do you know what I was thinking? That I thought if this was a four parter, we might have seen a bit more of those guys and mm. found out a bit more about them. But I think it's just very basic. You know, they're the the beings that were native to Terra Alpha before the human colony showed up. Yeah. And they've just been forced underground, obviously. Yeah. No, um, I like those guys. Yeah. Um, a few other people. Um, so Helena A's, I'm not sure if it's like her sort of partner within Parliament, if that makes sense, or if it's her husband. I can't quite yeah, make Yeah, it's not out. clear, is it? I, I always assumed it was her husband. I thought so, but maybe not. What was his name? I can't remember. Is it Harold? Um, Harold or Gilbert? One Gilbert. of the two. Oh, I can't remember. I don't know because they've all got because they've all got this letter at the end of the name. It's really hard for me to yeah. remember who's who. Yeah. So Gilbert is it, M is the guy in the kitchen who created the candy. That's man. right. That's right. So it must be Harold V. He's the other older chap. Yes, I think, I think so because Silas P is the guy at the start, isn't he? Who gives out the cards? That's right. And yeah. he gets wiped out pretty quick, which yeah. is a shame because that, like you said, I love that first scene where he's like, uh, "Turn the card over," and he's really sinister. Yeah. So yeah, it could be, but yeah, so it's interesting, isn't it? Because him, those two guys, her husband and Gilbert M, <laughs> yeah. go off together in a spaceship at the end, and that really made me laugh. It's like the two of them have just had enough of being henpecked. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, they've had enough. He's had enough of the Candyman screaming and shouting and bossing him around yeah. he's had enough of helena being a complete and utter you know what and the two of them just like let's let's get in this space let's get in this escape shuttle and get out of it <laughs> and it's really yeah. funny i love that scene because she's furious isn't she helena she's like what, yeah. what are you doing in my escape craft yeah and he says it's worse than that i'm with your husband yeah. <laughs> read into that what you will i was gonna say read between the lines as much yeah. as you will on that bit but um yeah i could never understand if it i'm sure they're meant to be a couple i think so i'm sure of it but then it's sort of i don't know a bit of me thinks well maybe they're not because she's very sort of hard-nosed and doesn't believe in love really and all that stuff and they're never very close they just seem like a bit of a companionship rather than a couple but mm. i don't know i can i can never figure that out but it is I funny at the end yeah it is and i love it when she's like bossing him or telling him to watch her 
He's like going to mm-hmm. get up and she's like, no, no, watch, watch my speech. Oh, all right, dear. You know, just completely yeah. like under the know, thumb. Yeah. Under the thumb. Yeah. Yeah. yeah but that, those, both those characters are great, aren't they? I mean, Gilbert M, yeah. uh, you know, he's so into the character he's given, like yeah. he's having to deal with the blooming candy man, throwing his toys out the pram every 10 yeah. minutes. Yeah, and, I, uh, yeah, I found that a great dynamic in this story. I did, yeah. It's almost like a sort of Frankenstein story gone wrong. <laughs> yeah. Because he's responsible, isn't he? Because he tells Harold V about how he came to make the Candyman. Which I, I love that scene, which is why mm. you could, if you want to, read more into the fact that they go off together. Because there's that <laughs> lovely scene of them just having a good old chat yeah, about yeah. what they've done and, you know, how life used to be and all that. Well, that's so right. that's, yeah. yeah, that's a great little scene because you, you, you find out that Gilbert M actually created the Candyman, didn't he? Or, that's right. Because they did. say you found his brain. It's very, again, it's a bit left open to interpretation, but... He sort of says, oh, I could rebuild him, but I'll just leave him like that, which I like because that means he could come back. Yes. Yeah. yeah. But it's cool, though, because he's made him but does nothing but fight with him. Yeah, so, I know. Yeah, he's like, oh, it's just... Oh. Yeah. So every yeah. time, like, there's this one bit where Gilbert's coming down the stairs. Gandyman turns around and went, what time do you call this? Do you know what <laughs> yeah. I mean? And he yeah. just rolls his eyes. He's like, oh, here we go. It's a bit yeah. like walking in and getting an earache, you know. Yeah, from, from your other half. yeah, and they're yeah. like a sort of rowing old couple. Mm-hmm. You know, the Candyman's just—he's charged, like every, like everything's like urgent and important, and you know, he needs to get it done. And Gilbert's just like, "Oh, shut up!" You know, like, <laughs> yeah. it's like a rowing old couple. So he's created him, but then it's almost like he instantly regrets it because he does nothing but fight with him and yeah. moan at each other and stuff. So. Um, yeah, you just, you just put that down to the script again. It's just very, very clever and good character writing. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. I was going to say the Candyman is is quite easily defeated, mm-hmm. though, isn't he? Like the Doctor sticks him to the floor twice, I think, mm-hmm. with some lemonade, which is a lovely idea, actually. <laughs> so again, such a simple idea, isn't it, that he can just just throws lemonade on the floor, whatever, and he's stuck there and he's like having a tantrum and <laughs> get me off, you know. Yeah. Which I really liked that. Did you notice? Um, did you notice something changed uh, in the terms of the Candyman's appearance? I think it's between episodes one and three. I'm not sure. But um, there was something I noticed. It, you know, his little, he's got like a little silver lip plate That's later right. in the yep. story, which actually he looks better without it. Because if you watch him at the in the first episode, you can see his whole mouth moving That's and he's right. got a sort of much rounder face. But they suddenly add this sort of funny little lip plate to him. It's like uh, a by little, episode three. Yeah, because like it, a little goatee, isn't it? Yeah, like a little, little goatee. Silver goatee. And yeah. I'm thinking, oh no. Because <laughs> it, it looks like tinfoil. That's the problem. It looks mm. really cheap again. And it, it actually looks better and more scary without it when you can see the mouth moving. Yeah. I um, thought but so. I don't know, yeah, I don't know when you know, did they forget to put it on in the early recording <laughs> or did it fall off and it was shot out of sequence? I don't know, but it definitely appears out of nowhere. It's interesting, <laughs> yeah. It must have yeah. fallen off. I wonder yeah. if it fell off and they recorded out secrets or something. Yeah. yeah. But he's definitely, um, the Candyman, he's definitely a strange character. And I don't mean that f- sort of visually because, you know, visually he's obviously strange, but he's a very strange character because you almost wonder where he's developed this personality from. Mm. You, you, it got me thinking, like, why is he the way he is? Because he's a right, miserable, <laughs> He's grouchy. worse than Darling Tat. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he's, yeah, I mean... And that clip that I played in the when we got into the review, the doctors when they come in and 
I beg your pardon. Yeah. <laughs> he's just not having it. He's just, you know. He's every, like a spoiled brat. He is, yeah. yeah. Every single scene that he's in, he's like this petulant little kid, you know, that's used to getting his own way. And when he doesn't get it, his toys are out the pram and he's whinging and screaming and yeah. very strange. But he's got this weird, he's got this weirdness about him that makes him quite creepy. I don't know what it is, but he's just mm-hmm. got this. I don't know what it is. There's something I can't put my finger on. But he is creepy. Yeah, definitely. he looks ridiculous, but he is creepy. Um, yeah. Which is again um, not an easy job in that costume. I think he could have, if it had been played wrong, or mm-hmm. I don't know if it had been sort of shot wrong, uh, he could just be laughed off the screen. <laughs> he just it'd just be too ridiculous. But he is sinister. He is. Like yeah. I would find him scary mm-hmm. if I come face to face with him. Which looking at pictures of him. You wouldn't think you would. You'd, you'd, you'd think you'd look at him and go, well, what on earth is that? Exactly. But yes. he is scary, yeah. And maybe it's because he is just such an absolute nutcase, <laughs> you know, um, <laughs> that he just he just would be terrified of him. Who's, who's the guy in the suit, actually? Is it anyone we know? Uh, yeah, it's David John Pope. Oh, okay. Mm, right. I don't, yeah, yeah. I don't know the name, but I, I mean, he does a good job. I assume mm. it's his voice as well. It must be. I think so, yeah. Yeah, yeah. He does a good job at making him pretty creepy hmm. and weird like you said just strange weird and i'm i'm pretty sure there's plenty of of listeners who have seen a picture of this but not necessarily watched the story and mm. probably think what a load of old rub- why would a hell would be would you be scared of something like that what a load of rubbish yeah and, and i'll be honest with you i thought the same when i saw a picture <laughs> of it before i watched the story i thought crikey what are they doing yeah but then when you see it in context in the story and then you see his performance and how he's written. He is, he is quite sinister, like you said. It's a bit creepy. And also, I think that, yeah, and that could apply to the, the story itself, I think. If you just, if you sort of put it on but didn't really watch it, mm-hmm. I, I think it would just completely, you'd, you'd be like, what is this? Yeah. Like, if you actually watch it properly and, and get into the story and what's going on in that story, I think it's really... a you know, engrossing. It's, it's it's a good story, but again, if you just took it on face value and the, and the way it looks and the production, I think you could quite easily write this one off, um, and you'd be wrong to do so because it's it's got a lot of uh, heart to it. Yes, the story. Yeah. Okie dokie. Yeah. Let's talk about what about Helen A then? Sheila Hancock. I think she's great in it. I really like you said that the performance is is on the level. It's serious. She's totally taking it seriously mm-hmm. um I, I, yeah i think she was really good casting she wasn't first choice was she it says that um patricia uh what's her name was first choice um it's hyacinth bouquet i, I can't remember what her oh, name patricia is patricia rootledge uh, Routledge. Yeah. she was the first choice to play but, but i don't know didn't turn it down or didn't get it i'm not sure but yeah i'm glad they went with um sheila hancock because she's got that sternness yes. about her um, which I think totally suits the part. Um, like when she's being snappy, she's, you know, you, she could be frightening. I think if anything, she could have pushed it a little bit more. Mm. Um, but that's probably, I mean, you know, if she'd have got more scenes and more to do, I think she could have been a really good villain. Um, but I think she's fantastic mm. in it in, with what she's given. I think she's really, you know, the performance is really good. Yeah. I thought she was brilliant. I thought yeah. she um, she really bought into the role. And I think if you're going to be, if you're going to be an uh, an actor in classic Who, you really have just it's it's a bit like being a children's TV entertainer. You've just got to 
completely buy into it. If you've ever watched, um, it wasn't the same for me when I was growing up, but if you, when my son was sort of going through his early years watching CBBC and all that stuff, and you see these kids presenters, they look completely and utterly bonkers. Like, mm-hmm. they, like they've had like 20 beers, you know, and they're just off their head wearing ridiculous stuff, dancing around. And you think it takes a special kind of person to go in front of a camera and act that way and not yeah. be embarrassed or any way. And it's a similar vibe with Classic Who. If you're going to be in Classic Who, you really need to just let everything go and just realise that this is a part in a fairly, like we've said a couple of times, at face value, a fairly ridiculous story. Mm-hmm. However, most of the cast, you know, no one more than Sheila Hancock just really bought into it because she plays a really good range, surprisingly, because she's got this real, again, this sinister feel to her. She's got this hard nose, like we said, Lady Thatcher thing going on. Yeah. Um, but then she does have these little moments of little sort of anger that burst out because there's a scene where one of the Happiness Patrol ladies, I think her name was, oh, I can't remember what, which one it was, uh, Daisy Kay, possibly, sort of gives her a puzzling look and she's like, are you getting angry? And then her face just instantly snaps back to this smile, this almost mm. fake smile that she has. And she's like, yeah. no, no, I'm happy. No, this is all good. And then we spoke about the scene when she breaks down at the end. You know, so she's really playing it exactly as it should be. Well, I was going to say, that scene at the end as well, I mean, no offence to whoever created Fifi, but it's not, I mean, for the time it's okay, <laughs> but it's not exactly realistic, that puppet. So for she does sell it to me when she, when she sees it's dead and she's cradling it and she's really upset. I believe it, even though it's just this ridiculous, not particularly great looking puppet dog. I think she sells that scene. I think she, you mm. feel that she is really devastated by the death of it. She is. That's yeah. not easy to do. I mean, that, again, that is a, that is a scene that if it was shot wrong or wasn't acted very well, would be laughed off screen. Mm-hmm. But it's a lovely shot, the way the camera just pans up and the Doctor and Ace are just watching and thinking, you know, just yeah. not saying anything, just thinking, well, you, there's love for you. You didn't want it, but you, you, it's there all the time. You yeah. know, it's a, it, again, it's a, it's a great performance from her because it's, um, let's, let's face it, mate, it's not easy to make that Fifi dog look <laughs> particularly real, is it? Even when she's feeding it and stuff. I mean, I'd have been cracking up. I don't think I would have been able to get through the scene. Yeah. There's a, yeah, there's another bit where she takes his bandages off. Oh, that's it. Yeah, yeah. I don't know if it's a he. She just takes its bandages off and she's stroking it and she's cuddling it and it's all, it's just, you know, but that's her skills though. You know, she, she really, does sell it. She sells it very, very well. She's still with us as well. She's 85, Sheila Hancock. Yeah. Still going strong. Yeah. Um, okay, let's talk about Ace then. Yeah. Gotta love Ace. I love Ace and um, oh, she's she's, she's good in this. She's feisty. Mm-hmm. I love the fact she just wants to get stuck in. Yeah. Um, you mentioned it at the start about how sometimes they arrive and then they kind of want to get away and get out of a situation. This story is the opposite, isn't it? Her and the doctor mm-hmm. want to get right in there <laughs> and sort it out. I think he even says that, doesn't he? Yeah, we need to I get captured, arrested said, we get, And we're going we're gonna to sort this out or yeah. something, he says. And I, she's right in there with it um, and she's not taking any nonsense, which is, you know, I just think Ace is such a great character. Um, but yeah, she's good in this. I mean, she gets a bit to do and she's put in a bit of peril. Um, I think the scene of her 
where they're putting the poster up of her face is quite cool because you you think she's sort of on death row or something, don't you? Like, you know, the doctor's really worried about it. So it's actually the cliffhanger, isn't it? That's right. So, um, no, I think Ace is great in this one. Yeah, I'd, I'd like to see a bit more of her and, uh, you know, the character that, that sort of turns good <laughs> or yes. has always been yeah. good. That was good. I'd, I'd like to see a bit more of them together because I think there was a good pairing there, but um, that's probably a time constraint thing, really. I would say yeah. so. They're three-parter yeah. thing. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but no, I completely agree. I think Ace is really good in this. And, and I love the fact that she's got that fiery feistiness to her, mm-hmm. that she's just as willing to get stuck in, you know, and, and throw some fists around if needed and blow stuff up. And yeah. she, she's just right in there. And because um, the doctor has to restrain her a couple of times. Yeah, especially at the yeah. end. Yeah, there's a yeah. bit where she's really ready to throw down and he drags her back. He's like, no. You know, you're no help oh, to me. Oh, you're no good to me like this. Yeah. I love that bit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they are so good together. They are. Um, yeah. Ace and the Seventh Doctor, such a good pairing. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I can't fault Sophie Aldred in this one. She's she's really cool. Yeah. And what about the Doctor then? Yes. He doesn't roll his R's in this, does he? Have you noticed? There's not one Ooh. roll of the R's. No, and you'd have thought when he got on that mic at the end, he might have been yeah. tempted. To at least do one. He does get to play the spoons, though, along to the harmonica guy. <laughs> True. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, McCoy's great in this. He, he gets to be that dark doctor that's sort of, like mm. like we just said, he's ready to just get stuck in and get this sorted, you know, and he's not worried about the consequences. Um, even when the TARDIS is painted pink. The pink TARDIS, he, uh, eh? The pink TARDIS, eh? He, uh, yeah, even that, you know, I, I think McCoy's great in this. The, the scene I'm going to highlight, which I think... Um, I might join you on this one. Oh, okay. Yeah, no. I thought you might. It's the beautifully written and very poignant, and McCoy's great in it, is the scene where he talks to the guard about why does he want to shoot another yes. human, yep. and he takes the gun off him. Mm-hmm. But it's the, bit where the, it's the bit where he challenges him to pull the trigger. Yes. McCoy's like, no, 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 come a bit closer. Pull the trigger end my life that's what guns are for and it the, it's a brilliant piece of writing mm-hmm. and uh mccoy's superb in that scene well he's superb in this episode but that is a brilliant scene it's great, and it's, it's it? one that um i'm surprised that i don't remember that scene mm-hmm. because you know like there are certain scenes of mccoy like we always mention the cafe scene in remembrance there are certain scenes that are so good that always stick in my mind that one didn't until now, but it will from now on. Yeah, yeah. Because I thought to myself, "Wow, that is a, that's a powerful scene. It's got a really good message. It's not like, it's. I mean, it's hammering it home, but it's not doing it in a really smaltzy, tacky yeah, way. Yeah. It's just being completely and utterly, um, to the point. Mm-hmm. You know, you've got a gun. Are you going to use it? Do you know what guns are for? Why do we have guns? to take lives do you want to take it's just so like it's such a good scene it's brilliant and and it just it just shows what a great you know when people say to me oh sylvester's not a very good doctor you know scenes like this you just can't argue he's superb in it Mm -hmm. that's yeah yeah, that's why i often say he's he's one of the most underrated doctors and i know he gets he's not he doesn't come very high on people's lists of favorite doctors but crikey the, the more i watch him the more i just like him it's a bit like you with david tennant you know the more that you mm. re- re-watch his stuff the more that you like his performances it's like that with mccoy for me the more i watch his stuff the more i think crikey you know he really is underrated i mean this scene is just brilliant it's superb yeah because he's it's almost like a switch goes off and he's like 
because his voice lowers in terms of volume and sort of pitch. Mm. And he's just got this, you can't take your eyes off of him. You know, he's got this way mm. where he's just calm, his voice lowers, completely in control. Absolutely and it, controlled. And it, and it really brings home, like Sylvester said in interviews, how he, you know, his doctor doesn't use guns. His doctor defeats people with words. That scene perfectly yeah, shows yeah. that. He completely brings those two guards down simply by using words. And that's, you know, a perfect example of, of Sylvester's sort of vision of his doctor, yeah. which, you know, he talks about in interviews. Um, it's funny, I always think of like uh, our, in- our, not our interview, our, our chat with Camzy at the uh, Slough Bar oh, yeah. at the convention, you know, because um, Cameron Cam McEwen, who we were chatting to at the bar, he doesn't like the McCoy era at all, does Not he? I remember, no. and you hadn't seen that much at that point, and he was really sort of laying into it and sort of taking the mickey out of me for liking it. And I kept thinking the whole time, "You're wrong, man. You're <laughs> wrong. You've got to, you know, you will if you watch it and see what Sylvester's doing. You, you, you. Once you see his doctor, it's there. <laughs> you just got to find it. And and I keep thinking, yeah, I hope one day he goes back. I don't think he will, but you know, you know what I'm saying. Yeah. Yeah. It's there. Mm-hmm. It's it, he's a very underrated doctor, and I always, if anyone ever says different, I always think, I hate to tell people that, but you're wrong. He is a great doctor. Yes, yeah. yeah. In my opinion, <laughs> in our opinion, no. He <laughs> I is. have to add that because I, you know, everyone's entitled to their opinion. <laughs> of but, course, yeah. But Camzy, if you're listening, you're wrong. You're wrong, mate. <laughs> he's a great yep. doctor. Old blogger. Yep. Old blogger. Who? Ex blogger. Yes. Um, okay. Anything else you want to mention before scores? Um, only that I think on the making of, they talk about, um, the fact that the candy man d- did come very close to, you know, to getting them sued cause he was so close to Bertie Bassett oh, right. and they yeah. seem to think that, um, they came to an agreement that they'd let it go if they didn't use him again in any story. And I was thinking, oh no. So that's kind of suggests that we won't ever see the candy man mm, again, yeah. but we might hear him again because I do th- believe aren't big finish doing something with him. Uh, yeah, they are. I might yeah. be wrong, mm-hmm. but I'm sure I heard. So it might be the fourth Doctor Adventures. Yes, so they are. He, I think he might be returning to Big Finish. I hope it's the Candyman that we're expecting, um, but <laughs> I don't know for sure because it hasn't been released yet. But I'd like to see him come back. I think there's a great character there. Be awesome. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it will be. Yeah. Right, you to go first. Oh, come I don't want to go first because uh, it is one that I struggle with. This it really is. Come, come, um, come, come, come. Scrolls. Oh. Are you really that undecided? Yeah, because I'm stuck between a... I don't know if it's good enough for a 7, but I don't think it's bad enough for a (laughs) 6.5. Perhaps I'll go for a 6.9. I'm going to give it a 7. You're going to give it a 7, are you? I am, because I think it's a great script. And, uh, yeah, I'm going to give it a 7. Joe, I'm with you on that one. I'm going to give it a 7. Yeah. I'm actually changing my score. I did write 6.5, but I feel that doesn't justify it, because I do think it's a good story. Yeah, and I would say this is one of... This is a gem from McCoy's era because it follows one of his best stories. So it often gets overlooked and you also That's have, true. you know, you also have the face value of the Candyman being used in every promotional mm-hmm. image to do with it and so on. And that's kind yeah. of devalues the, the darkness of the story, I think. Yeah. Um, however, it's a, it's a very good watch. Very it dark, good. very adult in some ways. And the performances are brilliant. So I, it's definitely a seven. Yeah. It is, isn't it, mate? Yeah, I think six or five is too low. The cast are brilliant. You're absolutely right. Yeah. Okay, dokie. What did our listeners think? 
So over on Twitter, the normal poll went out and 74% said likey mm. and only 26% said stinky. Okay. Which is good. Uh, over on Facebook, uh, Kevin Mullen says, perhaps the most politically subversive episode this series has ever produced. Underneath the sugar-coated exterior is an incredibly dark tale. Um, when I first watched this, I hated it, not understanding the message and unable to get past the design of the Candyman, but now I see it for its dark morality. He gives it 9.2756464 out of 10. Brilliant. Yes. Sammy Satine, a planet where you have to be happy all the time in order to live there. Is this where Frank Cottrell Boyce got the idea for Smile? Oh, mm. Yes. Very good point. Very good point. Very similar. Mm. Uh, dark idea. Um, uh, the head honcho for someone who wants everyone to be happy. Is, she seems extremely angry. Yeah. Uh, like the candy man as a sinister robot made of candy. Uh, she gives it seven licorice all sorts out of 10. <laughs> Lewis Palmer says, I enjoy it. Admittedly, not one I return to that often, but when I do, I like it. Uh, mm. um, uh, the scene with the sniper is tense. The joy to watch. You can't take your eyes off the screen. I agree, Lewis. Mm. Uh, and of course, you have the legendary, hilarious Candyman, who is great. Seven out of 10. Mm-hmm. Martin Arnold says, I'm quite fondant of this episode. <laughs> I think script editor Andrew Caramel and the crew did a great job while Sylvester has his milky way with the <laughs> mysterious incarnation of the seventh doctor. The only problem is that they could have set it on Mars or some other planet in the galaxy. <laughs> I think this review has gone a bit curly whirly. Oh. I think Martin might have had a bit too much chocolate. Right, that he spent ages thinking that I like it though. I like uh, it. Joseph Howarth says this was a decent enough story in the McCoy era, not something I return to as it is flawed in a few areas, but entertaining nonetheless. The Candyman, I think, uh, hasn't really aged well in terms of the enemy in Doctor Who because I can't really take him seriously with his chipmunk voice. Mm-hmm. Um, plus, you could easily get away from him if you just spilled some coke on the floor. Uh, otherwise, a fairly entertaining story, um, flawed. Um, about the only time you see the seventh doctor disarm a couple of snipers with words alone, seven out of 10. Yeah. Cool. George Puddy. Uh, it's weird that I think of McCoy as my least favorite doctor in this as in both remembrance and this, although I've really enjoyed watching him. Uh, maybe it's his partnership with Ace who is also enjoyable. Um, one element you always hear about is the Candyman, And while his costume is inventive and his voice hilarious, he seems rather mm. unneeded in the story. Uh, overall, it's not the best, but entertaining. Uh, 7.5. Okay. Uh, Miles McKenzie, the only story I need on DVD to complete Sylve's era. Quite <sighs> excited for this one. Candyman and a pink TARDIS. They sound interesting. <laughs> Get that box set ordered. Miles, I think it's a box set. The Happiness Patrol and it something is. else. Yeah. Dragonfire. That's yeah. the one. Yeah. Uh, Jason Thayer says Candyman almost ruins it. Seven out of 10. And lastly, Jeff Waddle says the Candyman should be laughably awful, but there was something bizarrely creepy about it on transmission. And seeing it now, it's even more sinister. Story <laughs> is a cracker, and yes, there were limited budget um, of what you could do, but that doesn't detract from wonderful cast. And McCoy and Aldred on the top of their game, nine out of ten. Oh wow, likes it. Yeah. Did you have anything over on the Geeks handbag? Yeah, I had a couple. So uh, Bradley Willard says a strange, bizarre story which is somehow deliciously creepy and wonderful. It isn't one of Sylvester's 
greatest stories, but it's certainly one that leaves sweet taste in the mouth. Eight out of ten, Bradley gives it. Nice. Dean Jones, a really strange one. McCoy commands the screen as always, in particular the gun scene. Ace doesn't get much to do, but Sophie Aldred is still... Uh, gives a good performance. Supporting cast all do a fine job with some interesting characters. Despite production values, um, that's improved by solid direction. Bertie Bassett, sorry, I mean Candyman, <laughs> is an odd but unique addition to the series. Story and script is good, but if the story was longer, it could have fleshed out the world. Uh, so he gives it a 7 out of 10. Nice. Right, Patrick Sherwood says... Um, he talks about the the fact that Big Finisher picked up the Candyman. He's looking forward to that. Mm-hmm. He thinks this story is okay, but not the best. Uh, he gives it a 9 out of 10. Uh, Ryan McGiven. <laughs> I hope I said right. A very underrated story, like all of the McCoy stories, he says, with an interesting twist. Um, I love how Ace interacts with the people she encounters. The side characters are pretty good. Um, though they should have kept with the original design of the Candyman. Yeah, I think he was mm. going to be like a caped uh, scientist or something right, right. Um, Charlie Turner for the most part it doesn't work he says the only things I think are good are Sylvester Sophie and the design not the voice he says of the Candyman uh, sadly happiness does not prevail and neither does this story for me he gives it a 4 out of 10 cool. but he says uh, not as bad as Paradise Towers but still bad nonetheless Ooh, not mm. a fan um, Alex Kaffer Joe Glue says can't stand it <laughs> only positive thing I can think of is that at least it's not Paradise Towers, and he gives it a one out of ten. Wow, Alex, wow. oh, I saw Alex the other weekend as well. Um, and finally, Aaron Ball says a story that doesn't deserve its reputation has a great subtext. Uh, it's darker and great performances. The Candyman, well, he's so bad, he's good to be honest. He gives it a <laughs> seven out of ten. Seven. Another seven, same as me. Yeah. Well, says okay. Well, some really, well, fairly decent scores there. We got a nine as well, which is good. We did get a nine, and we got a one from Alex. One. So very yeah. divided. I knew this would divide people, though, this story. Mm. I knew it was going to be one of those that you either love or hate, I think. True. So, yes. Which is fair enough, yeah. Okie dokie. Well, thank you very much, guys, for sending in your thoughts, as always. Next week is back to modern Doctor Who. We've got a tenth Doctor story. Yeah. A kick off a two-parter. So next week, buddy, what have we got? So next week it will be the Sontarum Stratagem. Yeah. Is that how you say it? Stratagem. Yeah. yeah. And we will follow it up um, with the Poison Sky afterwards. But next week, we're just reviewing the first part, Sontar and Stratagem. Of Tenant action. Yes. Cool. Sounds good. I think I've only watched this once, and that was when it was on the TV. Okay. Mm. I've seen it once as well. We'll show. Oh, have you? Yes. We show. Uh... Actually, no, I've seen it twice because I've done a couple of watch throughs of Tenant's era, but. Okay, no, I've yes. definitely seen it once, so I'm yeah. looking forward to giving it a rewatch, yeah. Indeedy. Right, yeah, I think we'll do there, mate, for 179. Okay. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you so much for sticking with us and listening to episode 179. It's been a fun review, actually, for the Happiness Patrol. Mm, We are both smiling, so we will live to see another day. (laughs) Indeed, yeah. Thank you so much, guys, for sending in your thoughts and mini-reviews for that. Always appreciated. Uh, Next week, as Adam said, the Centauran Stratagem. So, uh... Get your DVDs or Blu-rays out for that. Give it a watch. 
Mm. As we'll be asking for your thoughts again for that. Which is all good. I was trying to think of a cool, sweet based. But no, I'm gone. I'm, I'm done. <laughs> I keep going to say build high for happiness as well, which is the wrong the story. The wrong story, mate. Yeah. Paradise Towers, isn't it? Yeah. Indeed. Oh, well. <laughs> Anyways, head over to our website, why don't you? www.bigblueboxpodcast.co.uk. You can listen to all of our previous shows on there, and you can link off to our various social media stuff where you can give us a like and a follow because we're always waffling about who throughout the week in between the episodes. And there's also links there to the podcast networks as well. So big button there for iTunes. If you've got an iPhone or a Mac computer, you can subscribe on there. Our shows go out every Friday morning. So if you subscribe, you'll not miss a show. Plus, we're on all the other podcast networks as well. If you could give us a sub, that would be awesome. And if you're an iTunes user, a review would be amazing if you could spare a minute because that really helps. Thank you very much. Remember to check out Adam's channel. The Geek's Handbag. Yeah, yeah, I'll finally have a new video out soon. Oh, nice. When I got snowed in, I finally started editing my smile location one. Oh, nice. Finally, nice. I had no choice. I couldn't leave the house. <laughs> I thought, right, let's get it done. Let's get it done. Yeah. Yeah, so Adam's got a very cool YouTube channel. Search for The Geek's Handbag. You're also on Facebook and Twitter and Instagram. Instagram, Snapchat, I love Instagram. All that stuff. <laughs> He's on there. Yeah. yeah. So give him a sub and a follow on all that stuff. So, next week for episode 180. Wow. Wow, we're getting through them. We are. Mikey, it's going to be good. So join us then. In the meantime, my name's Gary. My name's Adam. And remember, with some happiness this time. Yeah. Uh, 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 uh,